You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Jamie's log, progressive. The Harrington's backyard, day 27, 3.33 a.m. 3.33, all those threes mean something. Or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's backyard for 27 days now, proving that progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. And oh boy, the Yankees had a five o'clock deadline to get some 40 man roster moves done on Friday. Guess when they dropped them? Uh, we got waiver claims. We lost a couple of players who we loved on Friday, and so we do want to talk about them. We want to eulogize them. Obviously not. Nobody who's going to ruin or make the 2022 season is gone. The Yankees didn't accidentally lose Giancarlo Stanton on waivers. But some people are going to have to get some new talking points because some of the dudes you wanted to call up from AAA all year after a six-game sample have now pieced out and will not be the solutions in 2022. It is what it is, but who is coming to join us? Could it be Justin Verlander? I don't know. It's worth discussing. Did a showcase on Monday at our boy Eric Cressy's facility. Could it be Masahiro Tanaka? I don't know. It's worth discussing. Boy just finished his Japanese season, and he's reportedly looking to return to Major League Baseball, and could we be that spot? Like Jonah Hill once said, we could be that mistake. Well, <laughs> you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Garinante, uh, by the by the way, everybody hit us with some likes and subscribes and all that good stuff yeah. because we are live on YouTube right now. Uh, as as a wise man once said, smash that like button. Uh, t- Thomas Garinante, welcome to the pod. Uh, rest in peace to some some homies who we lost on Friday. I know what it. What is this? What's going on? Do we have What's to complain? With this? I don't know. Uh, well, look, we can get the easy one out of the way. The Yankees weren't keeping Tim LaCastro coming off a torn ACL. Um, not really a person you're going to waste the spot on. Um, but uh, energizers in Greg Allen and Andrew Velasquez no longer here. Greg Allen got claimed by the Pirates. Yep. And Velasquez was claimed by the f- who Phillies. The Angels. We lost, Angels. we lost Velasquez to the Angels, LeCastro to the Red Sox, yeah. Greg Allen to the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
Yeah. Um, and Joely Rodriguez gone, um, which I thought was actually going to be uh, cost effective for them to pick up $3 million option for a lefty reliever. Like I know he's not entirely great, but still cheap. Um, $500,000 buyout. We're going to yeah. pay Joely Rodriguez $500,000 not to pitch. We're giving him the Brett Gardner treatment. Like yeah. that's what we're doing. I don't know. Um, you know what though? We could view this positively um, and take it that, there's going to be some serious moves, more serious moves than maybe we anticipated this offseason. I don't know. I don't know. Just got me thinking. But um, I think the biggest loss here, obviously, is Velasquez. Um, if I'm the Yankees um, and I'm using Tyler Wade in kind of the fashion that I've been, uh, which is more of a utility guy, um, pinch runner type, um, I think you need a more definitive backup shortstop, um, regardless of who you sign this offseason. Because, hey, if you sign Correa or Seager, they don't stay healthy, dude. They nope. just don't. And I'm not going to expect that trend to change in New York where nobody stays healthy. Um, so it would have been nice to have Velasquez here still um, to uh, provide that energy, provide that, you know, youthful injection um, and uh, just reliable defense that we're always looking for at that position, um, when, especially when the starters can't play or someone needs a day off or whatever. So for me personally, that's the biggest loss um, of, of this bunch. Um, and, uh, we can only hope that there are some more, uh, uh, smarter bullpen additions. And maybe if we're looking at two outfielders go in Allen and LaCastro looking at a new center fielder. So those yeah, are my like, silver linings there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, LaCastro was not a guy there's, it, it's a no. shame when you lose a Yankee fan to the Boston Red Sox, Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel good. And the Red Sox, you know, they got out of, you know, last year. He's another Yankee fan, although that was clearly a Trojan horse because he was just as bad as we thought he was going to be. Um, shout out to Adam Adovino, who ended the Red Sox season. He did. He did that. That was him. The mantle had to fall on somebody's shoulders. He officially finished it off. So thank <laughs> you, Adam Adovino. Maybe LeCastro does the same thing, but clearly he's rehabbing. Like, he's not a guy I expect yeah. to see. Um, certainly not opening day. Like, he'll be a triple-A death for the Red Sox, and that's great. Red Sox fans can brag about it and say they found the next Garrett Whitlock. I mean, maybe if they make Tim LaCastro into a pitcher, perhaps he could be the next Garrett Whitlock. But I, yeah, I certainly don't foresee that. <laughs> Gamer uh, competes fast. Is yeah. what it is. Um, you can do better than Tim LaCastro as your bench option. Uh, you just can. But, you know, we all and like you the guys. At the end, you, you should, frankly, if you're a team that cares. Uh, Greg Allen felt like a bit of a coup last year. It was sort of uh you know very helpful to be like all right the whole team's hurt uh you know the name greg allen doesn't do a lot for me but the profile greg allen certainly did i liked having him i I liked ryan lamar too uh call me insane the the yankees team didn't really uh you know didn't really ignite until greg allen ryan lamar came up florial came up sort of changed the outlook they won a red sox series um, no, never lose that to history, but after losing judge and losing Loisaga and losing Cortez to COVID and basically you'll never find a less competitive roster entering a Yankees Red Sox series where the Red Sox are running away with the AL East at that point. And the Yankees are not doing that. And then all of a sudden you've got Greg Allen and Ryan Lamar and they, I mean, what that Sunday night baseball game, they won like 12, two or something. Yeah, it was awesome. You'll never see that. That was amazing. That, that was great. And so, uh, thanks to Greg Allen, who who really did come up and for like a week out of the two weeks he was here was a difference maker for the other week was not really. And that same Yankees team went to Fenway riding high from winning that series at home and got punked three times out of four times in a four game series. So again, Greg Allen, not somebody you're going to build a postseason legacy on. And if the Yankees are going to compete for the AL East next year, it's not going to be because they had Greg Allen. And so we'll see on the Pirates, you know, sort of 
Sad to see you go, but we were lucky to have you for a full year because he was too good to be AAA talent, but not good enough to be a rostered player all year long. So go get some run in Pittsburgh. That's great. The Velasquez thing, uh, obviously the most depressing, and there's the narrative is the reason why. Nobody in their right mind thought Andrew Velasquez was the starting shortstop moving yeah. forward, certainly not in 2022. Uh, he started the wildcard game, which is crazy. Um, you know, you can, I think what I want to cover on Andrew Velasquez though, is that Andrew Velasquez going to the angels brought about way too many people who decided to get on their high horse and be like, you know, Yankee fans who liked Andrew Velasquez. Do you guys even realize he like, wasn't that good. He like, didn't hit that much. And his outs above average was negative four. He wasn't even good on defense either. He slashed 212, 262. Yeah, no, I, I know. I know. I, I, I don't think. Anybody thought Andrew Velasquez was was good? Like when you put that slash line up, did you expect your replies to be full of people just being like, "What? I thought he hit three twenty two with seven bombs." No, nobody thought that. Um, uh, here's the thing that you can do: be grateful for the memories of somebody and acknowledge they weren't that good. Yeah. Uh, that is a possible thing. My brain can contain both of those ideas. So, like, was Andrew Velasquez's defense four outs below according to outs above average? Sure. Did Andrew Velasquez make a sprawling play in the hole to beat the Red Sox and get Kevin Ploiecki at first base? The Glaber Torres wouldn't have made that nobody, you know, you can't count on a shortstop to make that. He made a spectacular play and saved a huge win for the Yankees in averted collapse. That did happen. He's a Bronx native who homered against the Twins. That happened. He had a homer at Yankee Stadium. That was great. You can celebrate that moment. You can remember his defensive wizardry without having uh, someone who just wants to prove they're smarter than you popping on Twitter to be like, um, actually his numbers were decidedly below yeah. average. No, I know. And Andrew Velasquez isn't my starting, starting shortstop. Moving he might forward. be your sharding. Might be my sharding <laughs> shortstop. Uh, but Andrew Velasquez is not my start, starting shortstop. And, and I don't care. And I don't need that proven to me. Mm-hmm. I can still be thankful for what he gave us and sad. He's gone while acknowledging the reality that he is not a great baseball player or even a yeah, good one. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it this way, too. It's uh, the people who are replying that clearly didn't watch enough Yankees baseball this year to understand what they needed at certain points of the season. Um, and uh, they certainly are just looking at, oh, where did this guy rank when he played? Let's look at some stats. Let's pull it up. They didn't watch the guy play. Anybody, we could pull up any number and be like, oh, this person wasn't that good because this stat says so. Yeah, obviously, yeah, some some stats will tell you that this person was not that good. Yeah. doesn't really matter. The Yankees needed a youthful injection. Um, they needed somebody who could play. His defense is much better than Glaber Torres is at shortstop. That's not really debatable. Um, and uh, they needed a lefty bat as well, and that's what he was. Uh, well, he was a switch hitter, right? Um, so uh, that – is he a switch hitter? Yeah. I think he is. Uh, Let's look it up. Yeah, I believe. I That's believe why we're he here. Is, but that really. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, that doesn't reflect well. That doesn't reflect well on my ability to to be like. Let's let's memorialize <laughs> Andrew Velasquez. What side of the plate uh, did he hit on? Uh, next question. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, he's an angel now, and he's probably going to get probably going to get twelve at bats yeah. next year. So again, it's not a it's not no. a huge loss. It's just an opportunity to be like, hey, remember the Andrew Velasquez era? It was actually yeah. pretty fun, and he did some things that specifically gave us victories. If the Yankees had just won, if the Red Sox had not come back from 5 nothing down on the last day of the season or whatever the hell, Andrew Velasquez's play deep in the hole at short on Clevin Ploiecki would have been the difference between hosting the wildcard game and going on the yeah. road. Like, a lot of fork in the road moments for this team. I understand that's not the only one, but, like, sometimes 
uh, you know, I'm lost in the rings mentality, just like yeah. everybody else. I want a damn ring. I don't want to think about this garbage anymore. But there's also 162 games worth of baseball to enjoy. And Velasquez is the reason that I enjoyed one of the games specifically this year. And it was all him. It yeah. wasn't just partially him. It, it was a game that needed one final out to be recorded. And he recorded that out. And it was in spectacular fashion. Uh, doing something that other people can't do, and especially other people on the roster who we've already specifically seen not do this. That's all I'm saying. I don't think Chasen Shreve should come back to the Yankees, but I'll always fondly remember when he got out of that or rolled his Chapman jam and, and beat the Mets yeah. and got a comebacker back to him. Like, that yeah. was awesome. Um, that game was great. I, that's an individual game. I like following cool those sometimes. Um, but no, I don't no. want him. Um, and look, uh, Velasquez and Greg Allen kind of defined certain points of the Yankee season that were positive. Greg Allen kind of helped lift the team and bring a different element to the game with his speed and defense and lefty bat right before the trade deadline, which kind of kept the team afloat a little bit more and was like, okay, now we're going to buy. Now we're, now we're in full buy mode. If the Yankees don't go on that little, uh, that, that little streak before the deadline, we don't know what, we don't know what the season turns into. We don't know if we have Gallo, which, you know, agree or not. Um, would, would he is going to be valuable in some capacity in 2022. Um, and Velasquez was on this team during their 33 and 11 stretch or whatever it was that dug them out from the grave and brought them back into the wild card. I mean, you look back and you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We still didn't get the home field advantage. We still lost to the Red Sox. So it all sucked, but they yeah. defined very positive aspects of a season that was miserable. Most of the season was miserable. And then we also have, which we didn't touch upon, um, Brett Gardner, free agent, Darren O'Day, free agent. The, because I uh, just wanted to touch on this quickly, um, because the Yankees' financial restraints last year forced Brian Cashman to craft three contracts that had player and team options, which I've never even heard of in my life before last year, where it was um, the they have to act on the player option first. And then if they decline it, then the team decides. It's not the team decides and the player decides. So um, obviously, uh, Brett Gardner would be dumb to accept his player option, which was, I think, like $2.3 million, um, with the team option being – or no. Yeah, the team option was more expensive, right? The player option was smaller. Um, and Gar- Yeah, team option yeah, was a lot so of money. The team option was a lot of money. The Yankees were obviously not picking that up. But then on the flip side, why would Gardner pick up a $2.3 million option when he has a $1.2 million buyout? Just take the buyout. It's free money. They keep giving Brett Gardner free money. Um, and so, <laughs> They're going to yeah, do it again, I too. It's, I don't think his Yankee career is over, <laughs> folks. We'll and same out. thing with O'Day, whose baseball career is probably over. Um, I think this would be his age 39 season in 2022, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, dealt with a shoulder strain. Um, which was not encouraging at all. And then that season ending hamstring injury was very concerning for a person his age. Uh, he, they, they said he, he crumpled over in pain um, when, when, yeah. when that happened. So um, I wouldn't count on uh, Darren O'Day being back in baseball. Um, depending on what happens, I think he got a nice little, nice little $700,000 check there for that buyout. So um, those are two other ones that, that, uh, that are, uh, I guess they, it kind of went a little bit unnoticed when because these these other moves happened the next day and they were a little bit more like, whoa, these guys are gone. Like there's no chance they're coming back. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think squid out of all of them, though, hurts the most. I think I think in some in some capacity, a lot of fans would be happy to see Gardner go, um, but he's not going. So don't worry about it. Don't even waste any energy on it. He'll be back. Now, I mean, that was the thing. I don't like I didn't even trust for one second yeah. he was gone. So like I, I retweeted a tribute video, but like that's yeah. as far as I'm willing to go right now. Um, we love Brett Gardner. Yeah. It's great. Um, a great Yankee guy who overperformed his talent profile for many years 
and that's wonderful. Um, I, I think he's still going to be on the roster next year. I don't think that's a bold nope. prediction. I, I guess we'll learn more in the coming weeks. And, you know, with the you know deadlines being pushed back and MLB having to renegotiate a whole new package, you know, Gardner might sign on March 23rd or April 4th or whatnot. But who else is cutting us in line for Brett Gardner? Nobody. Who who is the uh, who's the other major league team right now that's like oh we the Yankee we know the Yankees are circling Brett Gardner we got to get ahead of this we got to sign Brett Gardner on November twelfth we we absolutely have to do that um, smash cut to like the Tigers doing <laughs> again or the cutting Reds or something whatever um, it, look if it is the end of Gardner's time in the Bronx it is what it is um, we'll I talk about that uh, another time I suppose we will we will save we will save the tribute for when he is officially yeah. moved on but I I went as far as retweeting one tribute because I was like, oh, this is well done. That's a nice little Brett Gardner tribute. And so uh, if anybody checks my timeline and he actually goes somewhere, you could check it. And I, you know, I was in on it. I gave the retweet. But uh, yeah, I don't think that that's uh, something we actually need to think about. We are going to take a quick break. Stick around. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Let's talk about a couple people who might be joining the 2022 Yankees. Um, It's at least worth a discussion. A discussion. I'm not I'm not ready to say I want Justin Verlander no. or I need Justin Verlander. I'm also going to need to see a little bit of the rest of the offseason before I commit the amount of money I'm going to have to commit to Justin Verlander. But today, Monday, November 8th, we start the Eric Cressy cycle of pitching additions for the second year in a row. And it went so far exactly the same as last year's version, which featured Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm which featured a bunch of people speculating about Corey Kluber, uh, everybody tweeting how good he looked, come and see how good I look. Um, Everybody saying it's going to take, you know, even though he's been a year away from the game, it's going to maybe even take a multi-year deal to get Corey Kluber locked down. Don't be so quick to, don't be so quick to be projecting, you know, a little $5 million contract. That's how good he looked. A lot of teams are going to be competing for his services, et cetera. We all bought it hook, line and sinker. And then Eric Cressy, who ran the Kluber showcase and is the Yankees director of strength conditioning brought Kluber on board ultimately for what ended up being an $11 million deal, which we all kind of thought was a little bit of a bargain because it wasn't two years, 15, like we'd maybe been told he needed or two years, 23 or whatnot. And we go, Oh, thank you, Eric Cressy for bringing us Corey Kluber. Uh, And then what we saw of Corey Kluber, he was rusty in March, rusty in April, cold weather, didn't agree with him, found his mojo for, uh, Two and a half weeks in May was absolutely locked in. Loved having him for two and a half weeks in May. Threw no hitter. Uh, pretty cool. Hurt uh, himself in the next start and came back and was a four inning pitcher who's going to give you three innings, uh, three runs allowed in four innings against a good offense. Okay. I mean, not a total train wreck, but just not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can get that for less money. You don't have to pay Corey Kluber that money. Today, the Verlander train began on the same track as the Kluber train. We got the same chat. He's got a qualifying offer attached to him from the Houston Astros. So we got Verlander could take that 18.4 million to go back to Houston for one year, but he's looking to entertain that market because he thinks he can either beat that or go multi-year. Okay. A lot of people said he's throwing 95, 96, mixing in all his pitches. Looks like peak Verlander. Great. I'm hearing the Mets are there. I'm hearing the Blue Jays are there. And the guy who said the Blue Jays are there was like, based on the Blue Jays needs, I don't think it's just due diligence. Wink. And so it's obviously like, all right, the Yankees, uh, two of their prime rivals are watching Justin Verlander. That's what we're hearing. Justin Verlander looks great. That's what we're hearing. 
Justin Verlander wants to beat $18.4 million and thinks he can. Okay. Justin Verlander wants to pitch to at least 45. All right. The Yankees are going to listen to Eric Cressy on this one. And so all you're thinking is, are we about to make a great move that solidifies our championship rotation? Are we going to pass? Or are we going to be the ones making the mistake and giving Justin Verlander $21 million for one year as he comes back from Tommy John surgery, which always requires like a two-month head start runway until a pitcher is actually right? Is, are we about to do that again? Because our strength and condition coach told us to, or what's the deal here? I don't know, but if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm not doing this, man. Uh, quote quote this now, record it, put it back, put it back out there. If we sign Justin Verlander and he's an all-star um, come mm-hmm. next July, this the, this doesn't work out for the Yankees. And how many more times do you have to learn? Yet. Yeah, how many more how many more moves is it going to take for you to find? Not you, obviously. I know you know how many how many how many times is it going to take for everybody else to learn that this stuff is not it's not going to work for the Yankees. It's really not. This is a guy. Look, Corey Kluber last offseason, I was not excited about that. I was uh, trying to be optimistic based on what I thought could be the ceiling should everything go right. Because, hey, lengthening the rotation for a seven-game playoff series, yeah, love it. Love the idea. Are we going to get that far? Is he going to be okay? Hardly pitching in two years. Now we got Verlander, who I understand. I understand. Cy Young winner in 2019, runner-up in 2018. But guess what? He just pitched a league-leading 223 innings in 2019, appeared in six oh, no. appeared in six innings for 2020, then underwent Tommy John surgery. So he's thrown six innings in two years, and now he's entering his age 39 season. So we did the same thing with Kluber, who threw, I think, 36 innings in two years. Um and Tyone was another concern because he had thrown, I think, uh, somewhere around there. It was like low 30s in two years uh, after mm-hmm. his uh, battle with testicular cancer and the second Tommy John surgery. Um, so why are you going to do this again? And the crazy part about why Kluber was such a bust was because the Yankees forced themselves to have finite resources last offseason. They had, after you baked in the DJ LeMahieu deal, which you knew was coming early on in the offseason, I think the Yankees had like $20 million to spend without exceeding the tax threshold, which you knew they weren't mm-hmm. doing. And they no gave, chance. yeah, and they gave Corey Kluber $11 million of those dollars when there were plenty of other needs to take care of. Um, so, and now you're talking about Justin Verlander with draft pick compensation attached to him. Draft pick compensation. I don't like, not that I'm, not that I am going to hug my draft picks, but like, dude. You're going to give up a draft pick and pay 20 plus million, or maybe you're talking multi-year deal in the high thirties for someone who's thrown six innings and is coming off Tommy John surgery at, at the latest possible part of your career, Tommy John surgery. I'm not doubting Justin Verlander as a pitcher. Justin Verlander is one of the most incredible pitchers we've ever seen. I'm doubting that this is going to unfold in the Yankees favor. The universe doesn't allow this stuff to happen for the Yankees. And then, you want to talk about you want to talk about like kind of being I don't know I don't want to be the butt end of these offseason jokes when this this stuff doesn't work out because like people want us to get Correa great I would like Correa too do I want Correa and Verlander and to become the 2019 Houston Astros I don't know I kind of want my own identity a little bit I obviously want players sprinkled in from here and there because you have no choice you have to sign people you have to make upgrades when you're going to do it but like that gives us Cole Verlander atop the rotation, 2019 Astros, and then it gives you Carlos Correa, who is the spokesperson for the Houston Astros over this 
you know, six, seven year reign that they just had. So I'm not on board with this. I talked about why they have to avoid Noah Syndergaard too, someone who's pitched two innings in two years, who's going to probably be, uh, he got the qualifying offer. I think he's yes, taking he that and staying in the, uh, staying he, with the Mets. He He'd be an idiot not to, you have a rebuild year making, you, uh, you have a bounce back year making that much money and then a chance to make uh, bet on yourself and get a multi-year deal probably in the, you know, 15 to 22 range. If you have a good campaign. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. But like the Yankees can't, I, the Yankees are not in a position where they can, you know, risk this or just be like, yeah, you know, we'll sign this guy with X amount of question marks and we're going to bank on that working in the best case scenario. No, don't do that because you don't have good luck with injuries. You don't particularly have good luck with signing players over the course of what, since 2012 or whatever it was. So I don't know. I'm not on board with it though. I'll tell you that right now. So you can quote me later in the off season. I don't care. Um, I want a trade here. I don't know who it's going to be for. I don't have anybody in mind right now, um, but I just know that I don't want to take a risk on Justin Verlander and have that be the marquee signing for the team or just the rotation, whatever it's going to be. However, the optimism here is that, you know, they're going for a shortstop. If they're interested in Verlander, the spending's coming. Another silver lining. That's what I take from it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't vibe with, uh, you know, again, you can criticize Hal Steinbrenner for not spending a large enough percentage of his money. That's valid. He made the Rangers and Cubs pay for the trade acquisitions last year. Like he went above and beyond to get around the luxury tax last year when he could have just afforded it and paid it because that's what, uh you know, rich people have enough money to do that. <laughs> um, but last year was clearly a year where he was trying to cut back financially. This year is clearly a year where he is not trying to do that. So if you cut to the end of the offseason – and he has not spent money for all of these players, then fine. Call me a cuck. Do whatever you want. But as of now, I feel like this is one of those off-seasons where he actually drops the coin. Um, and the New York Post agrees he's looking for a shortstop. He's looking for Verlander. The Post projects we're going to sign Semyon to a five-year, $140 million deal, along with Verlander for one year, 20. Rizzo for two years, 32. Andrew Chafin for three years in the 20 million. I don't really want to commit multi-years to a soft tossing weirdo reliever, but you know, whatever, if they, if they have the money to pay Andrew Chafin, $21 million for three years, then they've got the money. Yeah. Dude. Like that Money's is coming. That's not something you do by accident. Again, you don't wake up and accidentally sign Adam Adovino to a three-year deal. That's why it was so annoying for them last year to be like, Oh no, now we can't afford the thing we yeah. did. And same with the Garrett Cole spider tech stuff. Like, oh, no, we got to fix the baseballs. Otherwise, we wasted our own money. It's like you you just did this. So if you really weren't prepared for Adam Adovino's money two years down the line, then, like, what were you doing? Why would you sign Justin Wilson? Like, if it was so obvious he wasn't going to be that good enough to justify the, the money you were giving him, he just opted into his deal with the Reds. He's, like, the only guy who the Reds are going to have to keep. The Reds are going to be a 100-loss disaster next year. And so we can talk about that ad nauseum. We'll probably talk about Luis Castillo at some point. Uh, it's oh, pitching up. Yeah. Um, but the Reds are going to be the outright disaster. They got stuck with uh, w- with a, an extra year of Justin Wilson, and that's a shame for them. But, like, the Yankees couldn't have seen that coming. They couldn't have figured out Justin Wilson was going to pick up that money when they signed him, like, two months prior. They, they had enough evidence after that to just be like, oh, now we're good. We're out. We got to attach the recess to you. So if the Yankees are that dumb that they're going to be making moves like this and then not be able to back it up, like, five months to a year later – then okay, that is what it is. That's a lack of foresight. That's ridiculous GMing. But I have faith that if the Yankees are prepared to drop this much money, they're not going to compound their mistakes, but they're also not going to look back in a year and go like, oh my God, we accidentally spent money. Okay, time to get rid of all these guys. 
Speaking of an expenditure, I don't know where we fall on this either. I think that you and I are relatively aligned. Yeah. But guess whose uh, Japanese baseball season just ended? Uh, Masahiro Tanaka's Rakuten Golden Eagles got knocked out of the playoffs uh, this past weekend. His season is now over. He's got another year in Japan, but odds are uh, and suspicions are he is going to opt out and re-seek another major league job which uh, he's long been rumored to be looking out for that kind of thing. This is not something we just came up with on the fly. This is, uh, you know, not in not recent history. It's it's ancient history that he was always going to try to get another opportunity. We heard a lot of bullshit with Tanaka last offseason. Rumor had it. Some teams yeah. tried to get him to a shortstop. Uh, like, you know, people wanted to make him a closer. I remember yeah. that. It was like, well, we'll sign to, we'll sign you if you want to be a closer. He's like 32, doesn't throw that hard. Yeah. You turn him into Koji Uehara. I don't, that, that might've been the Red Sox. Honestly, they might've asked that. Maybe. Um, but a lot of wonkiness last year. Tanaka wanted to leave for reasons beyond baseball's control. I uh, felt uncomfortable living in America during the age of, of peak COVID. And we understand that um, that was not an unsubstantiated rumor that, that came, uh, you know, it, it, he didn't give the interview that said I left because of a hate yeah. crime or whatnot that, that ended up not being, uh, you know, valid and mostly speculative, but he certainly gave off the impression he felt uncomfortable comfortable leaving the states at the start of the pandemic came back got hit in the face with line drive during summer camp and rebounded to pitch pretty decently for the yankees so i am one of the coldest on tanaka of anybody i will say that i i felt like he was not the same guy in 2020 i felt like he was not the same guy in 2019 either but he rebounded for a playoff run that shut me up and, and that's great i'm glad he did that but it felt like uh tanaka towards the end of his tenure in pinstripes was more like a four starter than a top of the rotation guy. It doesn't diminish what he did in 2017, 18, uh, the near Cy Young seasons before that. It doesn't diminish the fact that he pitched with the torn, partially torn UCL for an extremely long period of time. Great Yankee, fan favorite for a reason, but 1920, it felt like you were already on the back end of Tanaka. In the postseason, he justified that. He, you know, playoff Tanaka, not a real thing if you're regressing across the board, and he did not look particularly good in the postseason, both in the rain, in the monsoon, in Cleveland, whatever that was and against the Rays in a game where he could have saved the season, but instead threw a bunch of meatballs and the Rays hit dongs off him. In Japan, 126 strikeouts and 155 in two-thirds innings. That's not good enough. That's not quite Major League Baseball's level of competition. Shows that he's become more of a soft tosser, too. His ERA was low. His record in Japan was 4-9. I don't care about that, but the strikeout total, I do care about. So, I endorse the Tanaka signing if he is going to be a back-end member of the rotation to fill spots, uh, to hold down the fort while Jameson Tyone rehabs and recovers. That's great. Bring the Osir Tanaka for one year and $8 million or two years and $18 million or whatnot. Great. If you're trying to sign playoff Tanaka, if you're trying to sign a number two starter and some sort of durable solution for the rotation, he was already stepping back in 19 and 20. He certainly didn't do anything in Japan that made me think this guy can blow major league batters away at a, at a high rate. It's something that justifies. Like, I, I can't imagine his FIP in Japan was very high. Um, I, I wasn't really on the re-sign Tanaka train when he left. Obviously, we could have used innings last year, and I understand that. But uh, I, I would bring him back, uh, but not at a high cost. And I would certainly target other people to soak up innings before I target him. Yeah, totally. Um, I do love the idea of a reunion, however, and I do love the idea of utilizing him properly. Tanaka is at his best when he gets that extra day of rest in the rotation. So the Yankees finally realized last year that it ain't going to take five starters to get through a season, dude. You need seven or eight. So if you get a guy like Tanaka and utilize him properly, pitch Garrett Cole every fifth day, because you have to look at the Yankees rotation is currently constructed, right? Garrett Cole, ace. 
He's pitching every fifth day, non-negotiable. He makes $36 million a year. Then you got, who's the number two? Jordan Montgomery? Great. Jordan Montgomery has not had a lengthy career the, uh, to this point. Um, not a whole lot of work on his, uh, or mileage on his arm, which is great, but also can he handle 33 starts and 200 plus innings? I think the jury's still out on that. Great, mm-hmm. great way for him to come back uh, this past season after the Tommy John surgery and after the short in 2020. Um, I'm optimistic on him. I love Jordan Montgomery. I love him in the rotation. Um, then you mm-hmm. look at Nestor Cortez, just logged a career high innings. I think it was 92. Is Nestor Cortez pitching, you know, starting 30 games next year and getting close to 180 innings? Probably not. Pound that under. Probably not. I would love it. I would love, but look what the Dodgers just did with Walker Bueller and Julio Urias. They were burnt out by the time the postseason came around. Urias threw over 100 innings higher than his previous career high mark. Bueller was like at 35, and he was being pitched on short rest in the postseason. That's not a formula for success. So you look at the Yankees, and I don't know what they're doing with Domingo Herman, to be honest. Um, And then you look at Kluber's gone. I don't think Kluber's coming back. So you need to sign another starter, and then you need to figure out what your plan is for the remaining guys on the roster, and then bring in another guy Tanaka-esque who can eat innings or in this case be in a six-man rotation where it's worthwhile and where he's being where his potential is being maximized rest him if he if it's a perfect formula for me I don't know why the Yankees were kind of uh they were like standoffish about discussing a six-man rotation in spring training last year just like just like talk about it dude this isn't therapy. We're not like nobody is begging you for answers to questions that we've been, you know, that, that are deep, dark secrets. It's like, okay, why are we not entertaining a six man rotation? Very logical question. Very logical question because every team needs multi, uh, more starters beyond the five. People get injured. The Tommy John epidemic has been going on for 10 plus years now. So, yeah, there's clearly a need to have extra arms and guys who are capable of starting and or being consistent spot starters. So I think you actually have the best of both worlds with Tanaka because he would be better than a spot starter and he would be better on the extra day of rest. So I would I endorse this. I love it. He's to me he's a fan favorite. Um I think the people have gotten frustrated with him and his blow-up starts, but like you got to realize once again, Yankees fault. This is the Yankees' fault. Tanaka is not was never he he was an ace in Japan, but like, why would you think that's going to translate to be a number one on the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball? No, it's not like he never was. He had a he had a good career, very good career. People would kill for the career that he's had, but not a guy who should be leading the rotation for the New York Yankees, who are World Series hopeful. Um, you would think year in and year out. Um, and now you have a very good opportunity to bring back a guy who's familiar with the spotlight familiar with pitching in the playoffs in a de-emphasized role where he succeeds better on more rest. And I think this is a no brainer. If the options on the table, uh, we still don't entirely know if it's on the table. Um, but Brian Hoke talked about it in his latest mailbag. Um, and he said he could totally see it happening. Brian Hoke, Yankees insider, cool guy. Um, but he could totally cool see guy. it happening. So that's, that's enough for me to think that this is potentially on the radar. If the Yankees do it though, the expectations need to be low for Tanaka, and he needs to be utilized correctly. Now, you can get a whole a whole different discussion about Aaron Boone actually doing that correctly or the front office uh, placing the correct expectations on a guy who has clearly been on the downswing for the last couple of years. Um, 
So once again, that's where my pro- my problem always lies with the Yankees and the decisions. Not usually not with the players. Sometimes the players do get under my skin, like this year when just nobody decided to perform. Um, but most of the time, it's the Yankees inserting guys into roles that don't fit them, or the expectations are too high, and it's not the person who has the track record or kind of the the personality or mentality to to handle um, such expectations. So once again, if the Yankees decide to do the right thing and can put two and two together and know and understand how this move would work. I'm on board. I'm not on board for Tanaka coming back as a number two or three starter and having to log, uh, you know, 190 innings under his belt. No, no, thanks. Well, he and Garrett Cole are still boys. Yeah. Right? They texted each other last year. Uh, despite the time difference, they overcame it to still chat during the season. I think it was like Tanaka specifically reached out to Cole right around the all-star break, when he buzzsawed the Astros or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Tanaka's done that. He did that in 2019. It's pretty cool. Uh, we didn't have enough starters in that series. We had to bring him back for game four at home at Yankee Stadium, and that did not go well. Luis Severino, fresh off of like three innings that season, was starting game three. Pretty bad. Bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, not how you want to set up a playoff rotation. But yeah, Tanaka was like, yeah, something pretty close to an ace when he showed up in 2014. He, he, you know, he's throwing 96. He's dotting on the corner. That splitter was disgusting. And then, you know, the arm damage, he comes back at the end of that year. No one expects it really. He's. And from that point on, he's sort of a two or a three, and he becomes a four when they let him go. And maybe they bring him back as a closer. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe he's more amenable to that after one year away from the game. Uh, no. But Earl is Chapman's time with the Yankees is ending. We are going to need to find a solution there. His name is Jonathan Luizaga, but we are going to have to find that. Um, I like a six-man rotation. I like bringing Tanaka back. Don't get me wrong. I would obviously pound the under on the Nestor Cortez Jr. starts, and that's, again, no disrespect to Nestor Cortez Jr., uh, your best Yankee team has him staying off his feet, does not have him throwing 190 innings as a four starter. Um, you want to use him as a swingman. Maybe he gets 12 starts next year. Maybe he throws 115 innings. He's available as sort of a jackknife in the playoffs, and that's great. But uh, Nestor Cortez Jr., not a number three starter on a playoff team, certainly not on an AL East champion. Yankees trying to win the division here. Let's let's get yeah. out of the wild card game. Let's let's win 104 games maybe and, and knock the Rays. The Rays are, uh, have been humbled and embarrassed. The Red Sox have been humbled and embarrassed and lost their hitting coach, although they're still really good, and they absolutely destroyed the baseball in uh, most of October. I still can't believe that I'm assessing this offseason without the Red Sox being champions. It, it hasn't gotten through my head yet. I, I still just so assume good. they won the World Series. And like once a day, I remember they didn't, and they were up 2-1 uh, both in the ALCS and in the eighth inning of Game 4, and then they ended up not winning that series and never winning another game. It's great. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe the Braves are the champions. It's wonderful. But – Red Sox aren't going anywhere. The Blue Jays <laughs> obviously have a hole at the top of the rotation, and they're looking at Justin Verlander. Uh, we heard that today. Uh, if the Blue Jays get Justin Verlander, it's going to work. It's going to be a great twenty yes. million dollar expenditure. Um, but when you're you're you know you're you're trying to figure out how to compete with these teams, you need a lot of pitching. You need a lot of pieces. You can't bank on what went right last season going right again just because the Yankees' rotation was top five ish in baseball last year and that's great undermanned and that's wonderful and i love what matt blake has done but the offense wasn't even close the pitching needs to be a a slightly leveled up version of what we saw last year i don't think you need like look if you can go to battle with the best version of everybody we had on that team great but we didn't because garrett cole was hurt by the time the playoffs rolled around luis severino is in the bullpen we did not have the best version of those guys at any point no matter the, the rotation did well bullpen did great wonderful still did not go in october with the peak of any of those people that's why October lasted one game. Mm-hmm. So need more from the offense, need a little bit more from the rotation too. If we're going to make a playoff run. Just have to make the right decisions. I don't know if that's Tanaka to extend the rotation. I don't know if that's Justin Verlander. Um, I don't know anything. I'm just a humble guy. But I do know 
that, um, you know, just don't get tricked into Justin Verlander and don't try to sign Tanaka for more than he really is. Um, but the Wolves are circling. And if the pitching contracts really are as crazy as people are saying, they might be. You know, Jim Bowden, you're, you got Max Scherzer projected for $50 million annually, $150 million on a three-year contract. Not going to be a Yankee at that price. Cool that you think that. But if you think that, Either you are absolutely off your rocker on a you know weed, you know THC infused gummy bears, or you have some insider knowledge that this offseason is about to get kooky after being paused because there's a collective bargaining agreement, there's all that stuff. So like, it, there's no resolution on the horizon. And if Jim Bowden really thinks the resolution is Max Scherzer gets fifty million bucks next year plus three years of security, make sure I need to do some work to fill out that rotation. It might be paying Justin Verlander twenty two million dollars and giving a compensatory round pick to the Houston Astros, although that would hurt, and you better be fucking sure of it before you do it. Uh, yeah. that That's it, and that's all. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Actually, your host right now, dude. Yeah, I actually realized that as we were speaking. Yeah, (laughs) and I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find us at yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. We're analyzing all this offseason stuff. Uh, Got some interesting trade scenarios up there in the coming days with a few guys whose names are floated on the market um, this week and over the weekend. Um, And you can also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're there for all the fun. Like we said, want to discuss lots to talk about, lots to get opinions on and other um, other uh, perspectives. Um, And until next time, guys, once again, we'll see you on Thursday at 2 p.m. Every Mondays and Thursdays now live on YouTube. We made it big time. Yeah, we'll be back live on Thursday. I would have told you there would have been no news by Thursday, but there's a hell of a lot of news between Thursday and Monday this time. Um, and maybe Tucker Barnhart goes again. Maybe Tigers are signing people. Maybe the Yankees are, are making small 40-man moves or, or larger moves, probably small ones. Uh, maybe Justin Verlander gets hurt again in the showcase. We don't have to talk about it anymore. But we'll see you Thursday. Bye, everybody. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.